What's the ring? It takes you back in time, 57 seconds. That's unreal. Franklin, who is this? That's my, my twin sister, Natalie. She actually OD'd on the pain pill they gave her. That pill killed my sister. I detect a desire for justice. Sig Thornson is responsible for the death of thousands with a drug he knew was devastatingly lethal. But how do I make sure that never happens to anyone again? Well, you're asking the wrong questions. The real breakthrough is time travel. Ignore the naysayers, Franklin, because money can buy you happiness. This is not about your sister. This is about power. Don't let the intellectual fear in here keep you from pursuing what's burning in here. I wish I'd done some things differently. Thing. Did you use it with me? Just keep going back and redoing things till you get it right. Is that what a better future looks like? There's not enough time. Strap in! All right, it is Thursday, October 19th. It's Shuffle Trap House. We are back once again. Joining us today is Brian Quimby, back in the third mic spot, holding it down today. And just off the top, just, just from the top, I'm going to let you know, today we're doing a dumb movie episode. We are doing a dumb movie episode about a film that just came out. It literally just came out. I know you're all really excited to see it. That's right, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. I've got a lot to say, but no, actually, no, I haven't seen that yet. We're talking from this year, 2023, the film 57 Seconds, starring Josh Hutcherson and Morgan Freeman. Um, just, just to introduce this, Brian, Felix, if you, had like, uh, if you had like one sentence to describe what this movie is about, how would you describe it? I, I could go first. Um, I would say... Pedro Pascal drawn from memory, afflicted with alcoholism, <laughs> uses time travels to change the world with blogs and gambling. <laughs> I, I wanted to say it is a very important cautionary tale on something that we're really coming up against these days. Time travel. It poses the it gives the answer that time travel is actually bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's you know what? I mean, we'll get into this later when we talk about the plot. But I thought they made a really important p- point that I haven't heard anyone make this point before. Like, apologies if you guys have and I missed it. Time travel is just addict- as addictive as opiates. I know. And that's the thing. No one ever talks about that. That's the big uh, thing in this, uh, this. This movie, I was watching this movie and I was like, uh, what would be the lesson that you would learn from this movie. And the lesson really is that somebody sat down and said, if you could time travel, it would be bad. Yeah, it not only would be bad, it would be exactly like the opiate crisis. Yes. 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 Yeah. And listen, I want to say this. I've always been like really weird about like drugs and movies in that. Like I hate it when they talk about like street value of something and it's totally off or something like that. I especially hate it when they don't say the names of real drugs. That irritates yes. the fuck out of me for some reason. Because those real drugs are evil. They're the thing. <laughs> 
Well, in, in this movie, there is sort of an analog for the Sackler family and their their wonderful pill, like Zinalta or something like yeah. that. <laughs> it makes so mad. It it makes it sound like they his sister overdosed on a decongestive medicine. It, that's like, what like, I was it's, like. It's named like one of those. It sounds like arthritis or Alzheimer medicine. That's what bothered me about it because I was like, just put a set at the end of the word. Yes. The sound set or din at the end, and it's perfect. But no, it had to be Xylexa or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you guys, I, I think you guys like uh, ably described the plot of this movie, which is yeah that um, uh, health and technology blogger gets addicted to time travel um, in in attempt in his attempts to both fix his own life and get a girlfriend and get revenge on the. Uh, the the opiate cartel that killed his sister by traveling approximately 57 seconds into the past and sort of redoing certain aspects of his life until he can get it right. You know, it's an old story. I mean, it's the tale as old as time. H.G. Wells has been warning about the opiate effects of time travel. The time traveler's wife, we all know what happened to her. She got sent to rehab for time travel. Marriage broke up, family destroyed. I mean, like, it's, it's a serious issue. But I guess you should be, I guess you're probably asking yourself, why are you talking about this movie I've never heard of that came out like a week ago? How does you how do you even know about this movie 57 seconds starring Josh Hutcherson and Morgan Freeman? And the answer is this is this is Felix's idea and like Felix how would you describe like where where how would you describe the source of of the, these specific kinds of movies that we're harvesting for this episode? I would say that we know uh picaresque character <laughs> Wait, is that how you would describe him? Uh, I think so. I would yeah, say he's a, ma- yeah. a man of healthy and lusty appetites, you know, for yes. food, for money, for pussy, and for movies that, like, I, were it not for his presence online, I would never in a million years hear about. Yeah, yeah. So we know about a guy who has been a fixture, you know, in our, our circle of friends for many years. I think a lot of you know who this guy is. For those who don't, we're not going to name him, but we're going to give you—we're going to give you a good idea. You're going to feel like you know him, okay? He is a middle-aged Jamaican man who loves making memes, starring himself, and not memes like you know you and your idiot friends uh, share on TikTok or whatever, where, where you know I live in Spain, but the S is silent. No, not like that. It'll just be <laughs> the same three pictures of him, and it'll be something like. If I go down to eat your pussy and your carpet hurts my knees, I'm I'm stealing your TV. <laughs> like I love something this like guy. that. He's awesome. He, he every day he seems to drink like a fifth of liquor and like smoke like just the dustiest blunt ever. And then he's cooked meals. Um, I would describe them as non meals. non Euclidean meals. Yes, <laughs> uh, one of them we saw. It was a sort of. I think open faced is too general, but like a open <laughs> an open source sandwich, an, an open, open source an open casket bagel sandwich that had several eggs in it that had not been removed from their shells. Ooh, <laughs> um, he's he's a remarkable man. We love him, and every time he gets fucked up, every time he gets crossfaded, he does the same thing. He says best movie ever, and without fail. Without fail, it's not a movie you and I would have heard of. <laughs> no, like it if you is... were on film Twitter, like these are movies that like film Twitter would never know about in a billion fucking years. You're like, Wait. oh, the I, I hear uh, they're re-releasing the latest, you know, one of uh, Fazbender's rare German films. Nope, 
no, like th- these are movies that go directly to streaming or the red box at the gas station you're buying beer and lottery tickets at. And when Will asked me to watch, when you, you were like, uh, watch this movie and listen, I know that you guys might not know this. I am a official chal- Kevin Smith challenge coin. Oh, hell so yes. Kind of a movie guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was like, where the fuck did they find this movie? <laughs> like, I had no idea. But you know what's funny about it? I, I told my wife we had to watch this movie. It's got 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I went to my Apple TV. I didn't search it by name. I didn't search 57 seconds. I went to new and noteworthy. And that <laughs> category is all shit like this. It's crazy when you look at it. Well, it's like Barbie came out, but that's in a different category. The yeah. new and noteworthy is always just like or recent discoveries. Go look through that. There's often a lot of I mean, there's a lot of conservative movies in there. But well, yeah, uh, the, the fascinating thing to me uh, about his curation of films, like he's like he, he's like a criterion collection for movies that were all made after COVID happened. Yes. And like, yes. I, I was like. I'm, I'm, I'm go- I was going through his letterbox uh, to prepare for this episode, and I, like I went through his reviews tab, and I clicked like five or six pages into it, and the oldest movie I could find on there was from 2020. <laughs> That's called being Brian. That's I call <laughs> yeah. that Brian Core because I only watch <laughs> yeah. movies one time and yeah. I never watch them again, <laughs> and I can be I can be bo- I can buy into anything. Like it, it just this is the type of movie that it, had it come out and like. 2006 it would have been lauded as like a really brilliant movie you know like people would have uh people would have uh it would have had better reviews and people would have said this really does give you a lot to think about uh, the (laughs) apple iphone (laughs) i yeah i do kind of think that it would have been more generously received in a different era but there is something about this movie that you know and we've watched We've watched some really fucked up movies. We have watched some not real movies in the past. Nothing about this movie seems real. Like, yeah, the, the, there's the main character literally just all of the dialogue in the movie sounds like it was written collaboratively between 10 prisoners who were all in solitary and had been there for 20 years. And we're trying to write a script by sending kites to each other. <laughs> Felix, <laughs> Brian. Did you notice when watching this movie that, like, okay, this movie came out, like, a week ago in 2023, but, like, have you, did you notice that, like, all of the film's cultural references and point of view seem about 15 years old? Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a scene where the main character, the, uh, the, the Pedro Pascal drawn from memory and suffering from alcohol poisoning, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a health and technology blogger. Yeah, like, you know, like, I, I work for various, uh, you know, newspapers and websites. Like, just the other day, I had a piece on the Huffington Post. And I was like, yes, yes. wait, I know this movie's about time travel, but do, do, like, does it take place in 2007? Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, but Felix, like you said, like, that this doesn't seem like a real movie. And this is my current, like, probably my, new, my favorite new category, my favorite new genre of movies. And, like, this is a really really low budget like this is a real low red piece of shit but like i put this movie in the same category as like those netflix movies that they spent 500 million dollars on like the great yeah, man the or man. heart uh, or heart of stone where i'm just i'm fully convinced that these movies are not real and that they're just being downloaded from a server that exists in like an alternate universe in which they were made but they're just like these streaming services don't want to pay anyone so they're they're just directly pilfering movies from another reality and just passing them off in our own. Like, that's what this movie feels like. Yeah, it feels like they're sourcing things from the hunter's dream in Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the fucking thing that really blew me away about this movie i mean and this was my favorite thing in the movie is the the absolute lack of chemistry between the love interest and the main guy like in a way that like nobody would ever you would never believe these people would be together but the way that they get together takes five seconds like it's like the guy goes to work he he stares at a woman and she's like i'd like to go home with you and marry you yes yes it's like she's like she's incredibly fucking hot and like charming and he is it's not even fair to say that he's mumbling through his lines. It's like he's trying to deliver the bulk of his communication through Morse code. <laughs> it they is confounding. It, it's not even like the, the, the look that's way off or anything like that. Like I'm fine with like a, a guy that's not as hot with a hot woman in a movie or whatever. It is really that like they feel like they're in different rooms the whole time. Yes. <laughs> So for this movie, like, uh, you know, sourced by our cinephile that we admire from the Internet, I, I should note that, like, part of the reason it's using this is that uh, the reviewer in question is very generous with his critical appraisal of films. He gave 57 seconds one star, which is truly extraordinary. Uh, I'm just going to read his review here. Push to 50 minutes. What the fuck? Is Morgan Freeman broke? Bruh, the dude was a shit... <laughs> Bruh, the dude was a shit actor as a kid. He's still a shit actor. And for a time travel movie, bruh, let me take one more star off. Total shit. He must have sucked. He must have sucked dick for a role. <laughs> Speaking of Josh Hutcherson. Oh, he is bad. Wow. Oh, man. so bad. He has oh. nothing. There's nothing Every- there. Hutcherson, okay, first of all, uh, I say this movie stars Josh Hutcherson and Morgan Freeman, but that's being very generous with Morgan Freeman's <laughs> appearance in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where, like, you know, like all those movies with, like, uh, where Bruce Willis or Al Pacino is in it because they have, like, 60 kids and owe, like, $80 million to the government. Like, where they're being fed their lines through, like, an earpiece or whatever. But, like, Morgan Freeman is in this movie for probably two minutes of scream time. And, and he walks around with a weird guy, like through the whole, yes, like him and that Ingram, weird guy, Ingram. Yeah, never, we, we never will, explains what never the fuck explain. that guy is. Ever. We will never. Uh, uh, we will, we will get into Ingram and uh, the appearance of Ingram and what it portends for the meaning of this film. But yeah, I think it's just impressive that uh, Morgan Freeman looks about like similar to Clint Eastwood in Cry Macho, looks about a zillion years old. He looks desiccated and completely disinterested and drunk. But somehow uh, is, it turns in a more credible performance than the lead actor, Josh Hutcherson, who seemed drunker than Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He seemed drunker I mean, and more confused than a 90-year-old man. The look of him is... If you ask me what his look is, I would say drunk. That is, like, the look he seems to be going for. My, my first note about this film, like, diving into the plot of the movie, is that, like, I always said this is a look at um, sort of the Hollywood and the movie industry post-COVID. I use the term Hollywood and the movie industry very loosely here because <laughs> there is about 12 different production companies that uh, are like whose little logos are shown before the movie starts. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. There's like 18 different companies financed the making of this movie and they're all called something like The Avenue or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is just like it, it reminded me of like how Little Carmine makes his money when Little, Car- <laughs> when little Carmine says, I have nine pictures under that subspecies alone. I thought that they're, the real little Carmine is behind this. I um, I like that at the beginning of the movie, you really, uh, first of all, I thought the 
because of the way they hooked up, I definitely thought that the love interest was a bad guy and was working with Morgan Freeman, who I had assumed was the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just a whole. It really reminded me of like the the two thousands and the late nineties when these movies would come out where they'd be like this, like a uh, executive decision had Steven Seagal on the. Oh yeah, um, I saw that for my birthday in theaters, <laughs> and my friends and I were aghast that the the lead actor pitched in all the TV commercials dies within the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, this, that's what this reminded me. This reminded me of a trick. Like, this is all just, this whole movie's a trick. So, like, oh, so we, we wanted to do, like, a true one-star movie, and I wanted to, like, experience what that would be like. And it did not disappoint. And now, but... You know, when I when I sit down to watch one of these movies for for the show, of course, like I'm, I'm I'm trying to take notes, and I'm always trying to think of like what would be funny to talk about on the show. But I always feel a little bit of anxiety because there's a difference between a bad movie and a bad movie that's truly fun to talk about. So I always have a little a little bit of nervous anticipation as I start one of these movies. Like, okay, we're committed to it. Will it be good to do for the show? And within the first three seconds of this movie. It is Josh Hutcherson on an airplane that's crashing. And then it's like, record scratch. You're probably wondering who I am and how I got here. <laughs> I'm, I'm the hel- I'm, I, write a, I write the remedy blog about achieving optimal health. And the movie just begins that way with a guy saying, I'm the popular health and technology blogger, Remedy. You're probably wondering how I got on this airplane or what the fuck is going on here. Well, I'm here. And I was like, okay, anxiety over. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm committed yeah. to watching this movie. The way they talk about blogs in this movie... Like again, I don't 2007. Think, I mean, kind of 2007, but I don't think that was ever the case. Where like <laughs> he would be like the hottest woman ever, and she'd be like, "Wait, you're Remedy, the famous health blogger." <laughs> I, was, I need to throw it back for you right now. <laughs> I was very much like I think the thing I liked about the movie immediately that that I saw was that there is a guru. And it like a tech, like a Steve Jobs or and yeah, and, Steve Jobs figure. And you saw like an incredibly dumb person wrote that role, and it somehow <laughs> comes. And Steve Jobs doesn't even come off like a genius, so it somehow no. came off dumber than the actual <laughs> tech guys, which was mind blowing <laughs> to me. So uh, the the movie begins like okay, like uh, it's it's a flashback. You know, this movie is about time travel. It goes from our our main character, uh, the fetal alcohol syndrome, Pedro Pascal is in a private jet that's crashing. And then it cuts to three months ago. Like, you're, how did I get here? You know, what, what's, what's, what's my story? What's the story of Remedy, the health and technology blog? And he's just like a nobody schmuck who has got like some minimum wage job doing um, security at a big tech conference where Morgan Freeman's character, Anton Burrell, will be speaking. And yeah, he's sort of like a, I guess, a hybrid of like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. He's one of these like utopian tech guys. And then... And we also get some of the movie's incredible voiceover dialogue, which is just the first 10 minutes of this movie are like, here's some exposition. Is it going to be revealed in dialogue or the actions of the characters? No. It's going to be revealed in this guy slurring his way through saying, life comes, sometimes life comes at you in pretty <laughs> weird ways. Yeah, the narration <laughs> in this movie is like, like, doing narration in a movie or a show is risky because like, it can look incredibly low rent. And for the most part, it does. Like, usually it suggests there was no other idea. But sometimes it's just, like, the only way you can do it, or you think it sets a certain tone, or, like, whatever, right? Um, but usually narration, like, follows a rule, right? 
Like, there, there are great movies that have narration, like Goodfellas. Um, some could argue The Sopranos, even, like, the therapy scenes count as a type of narration. But they all follow, like, a rule that a character is only going to talk about these events at certain times, in certain ways, in a certain tone. The narration in this movie feels like they forgot it was an aspect of the script every 45 <laughs> minutes and the, until they until they hit a part looking at that screen at the screenplay to be like how do how do we explain how what's going to happen how do we set the scene up oh yeah the dumbest the dumbest man on earth will think it to himself out loud yes yeah like his his his, his narration doesn't like it, it doesn't necessarily like explain why he's doing something or like who someone is it's like it's that it's that when I realized the uh, time is the thing that you cannot hold in your hands, but it's something that you remember in your life. And if you can make choices, you can also not make choices. Don't ever forget that it, you can run out of time. Something that I loved about this was the uh, I like a movie that definitely this movie has politics. And it's funny to imagine the guy that wrote this, like, I'm going to write a real fucking political thing. And then all the characters just say sort of the most hackneyed version of what a political belief would be. Like like the uh, pharmaceutical company owner saying, like, how are we going to make money if people aren't getting sick no more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like like there's a rivalry in this movie between uh, the head of the evil Sackler Pharmaceutical Company, played by one of the guys from Ali McBeal, and uh, he was on Law and Order Special Victims Unit a bunch of times. You know, he's like one of these stock TV actors, and Morgan Freeman, who's like the Steve's Jobs figure, and the Ali McBeal guy is just like, yeah, like uh, like our our business is making people sick. <laughs> I love being evil, <laughs> and and Mor but Morgan Freeman's character is even more astonishing because like. Yeah. He, he's like he's invented the Fitbit, and it's called like the Triforce or something like that. In this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's just a Fitbit, and then the and then the opening scene at like his big like uh you know un reveal of Fitbit 3.0 or whatever the latest version where he's giving his like tech conference spiel. He's like the goal of this Fitbit which should be to replace medicine entirely. <laughs> <laughs> also, <It's> like, <laughs> also, describing it in maybe. Like, this is why I thought he was the bad guy, because he is like, what if you what if you didn't want to exercise? What if you never thought you didn't want to exercise? And this thing could just make you get up and enjoy exercising. Yeah, and I thought a, he was building an army. Like, that's yeah, what I thought yeah. the point was. At first. Yeah, it's a really evil concept. It's just like, oh, so sometimes you don't want to work out, but this new Fitbit will make you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it like, removes human choice from uh, your life. Everything suggests he's like an evil plotting man because not only is his device, like, we don't really know what the device is beyond like a Fitbit that takes over your mind, but he's also constantly flanked by like good Darth Maul. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes! Darth Maul. Yes! Okay, Felix, in, in my notes, uh, I, I just have here like, okay, like, he he uh he meets Norman he meets Morgan Freeman to ask him for uh, uh an interview and then I just said some hooded figure behind Freeman question mark and I just kept waiting for there to be an explanation <laughs> for it and it never fucking does until it's the very end never. and it gets and it, it, it they explain it at the very end but the explanation makes even like it, I'm even more confused by what's going on here yeah like, tattoos no, light blue, up blue Darth Maul is exactly is exactly what the hooded figure looked like. It's Darth Maul, but with blue face paint, and it's never explained. Yeah, not even an illusion. Not even nothing. Nothing. 
it's just like the closest we get is Morgan Freeman explaining the blue guy's administrative role. Yes. Uh, I was so, I mean, when you think at the beginning of this movie, it is so inept because that's, that's, you think Morgan Freeman's the bad guy because the product he's pitching is undeniably literally useful for evil people. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, well, the love interest, his girlfriend, she must be working for Morgan Freeman to try to get in Josh Hutcherson's head. And like, because of the way that they met, because of like, how it took a total of like one minute for them to like fall in love. I was like, oh, she's tricking them. You fucking find out she's not tricking them. She doesn't work for Morgan Freeman. She's just, it was, I thought there was so much going on at the beginning that was going to be revealed. And really nothing is happening. Nothing happens for the first like 10 minutes that's going to mean anything for the rest of the movie other than he finds a ring somehow and uh brian you you, you brought up the uh the the politics of this movie such that it exists at all which seemed to be that like uh big drug companies are evil and making us sick and that like and actually technology holds the cure to health but the politics of the movie are actually that like uh that that, that uh yeah uh, pharmaceutical companies they're evil but if a company could invent time travel that would be more evil because it's it's yes. addictive <laughs> yeah, yeah that is that is number one their biggest problem with time travel is not like quantum paradoxes or anything it's like you would get addicted to winning a thousand dollars at a time at blackjack <laughs> <laughs> like, um, what i was really trying to figure out that like like I was like, maybe they think they're doing like an opioid story, but that is really not it. It it one thousand million percent is the time trap. We need to be careful with time travel. The idea which is of this, a crazy thing. The idea of this being an opiate analog is so funny because it would suggest that like for the first four weeks of using opiates, you're just killing it at work. (laughs) (laughs) It's just better professionally than you ever have been. It's like limitless times 10. (laughs) Because like when we first encounter in the movie, like he's a schmuck. He's a nobody. I mean, he's writing for Huffington Post in 2023. And then he meets the he meets the love interest who's like also working security and like, you know, she's this hot young lady and she seems to be instantly attracted to him and into him. And like she she has a way of telling she, her way of telling that to him is that their boss is like that their boss chides Josh Hutcherson for being like sort of uh, starry eyed at this hot young woman. And then he's just like, you know, keep your eyes on the job, not the not the eye candy or whatever. And then she's like, oh, like, blah, blah, blah. That's sexual harassment or whatever. And then she says, he, think, he thinks I'll fuck him just to keep this, uh, like, piece of shit job. Like, joke's on him. And I don't know if you guys felt this, but all the cursing in this movie felt totally out of place every time it happened. Because it's yeah. like, uh, uh, some people get shot. And again, which is, e- like, equally as jarring because of how, like, out of nowhere it happens. But, like, they just drop F-bombs at, like, random points in this movie, and it always, like, just sort of shakes me out because I keep forgetting I'm watching an R-rated movie. But, like, in every other respect, it's like an episode of a TV show on network television. Yeah, yeah. It is it is very... The, the, the violence in it, to me, is some of the worst violence I've ever seen. Like, anytime something happens, it is somebody... It is real mustache-twirling bad guy stuff in this yes. movie. Like, they're all just fucking evil and also at the beginning of the movie that guy goes to shoot the morgan freeman character yeah you never find out what that guy's no. up to at all you never <laughs> I, know I what, he was and just, he's yelling uh, stuff 
he was basically, I think, just like a targeted individual who was like, you know, like a patsy for the evil drug company who knows that the Fitbit is going to make prescription drugs irrelevant because it'll stop people from wanting to eat uh, candy and soda. But the, they, they literally, they set it up like he's the guy who killed Huey Long. Like they said, they set it up like, wait, does this guy know something about how bad the Fitbit is? But no, they just never go back to it. The scene where he saves his life is so fucking jarring and weird. <laughs> it, so this guy runs out screaming, the Fitbit's evil. Don't put it on. <laughs> and, 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 and Josh Hutcherson is like, whoa, I don't have time on my side yet, but I have time to do something. <laughs> and so, so he gets a beverage cart and just flings it at this guy. And Morgan, like he, he saves Morgan Freeman's life. He helps him up. And Morgan Freeman's like, that interview you wanted, I think you've got it now. You've saved my life. And Joss Hutcherson goes, you know, I, oh, you dropped this. It's your Fitbit. Uh, here, here you go. And then Morgan Freeman tells him to look. He's like, you should get someone to take care of that hand of yours. And his hand looks like he just dipped it in a jar of jam. <laughs> it's implied that he got shot in the hand while this happened. But it just, he's got a jammy paw. He's like, Nothing's Winnie ever the Pooh. healed. Nothing's ever healed faster than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he has like a fucking Flintstones band-aid on this gunshot wound. <laughs> He's talking no. to the cop. The cop who looks like Tony Dungy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, within the first uh, 10 minutes of this movie, the main character, uh, Remedy, the revolutionary health and technology blogger, he acquires a girlfriend, an interview with one of the richest, most powerful men in the country. Um, but also... And also uh, fame and notoriety after saving his life from a thwarted assassination attempt. But he also gets Morgan Freeman's ring, which is just like fell out of his pocket and is just left on the stage. Now, uh, uh, audience, this is a ring that is a time travel ring. This ring is a time travel device. And at no point in the movie is it ever like questioned like that Morgan Freeman lost his prototype time travel <laughs> machine and might want it back. He's just sort of like, well, OK, I got this the man saved my life. I think I had a ring somewhere. I think I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> I think the hardest the hardest time I had with the ring is that if you got this ring, like the the speed at which Josh Hutcherson figures out what the ring is is just it takes like three minutes. This is a ring that you can travel back in time fifty seven seconds, and he hits it. And he's like, "Whoa, I just traveled back in time!" And then he turns his timer on his phone and does it again. And he's like, "Oh, I can travel back in time fifty seven seconds." And, and uh, then he's uh, like, "If it's white, it doesn't work." <laughs> listener, listener, you may think that this is Brian just relating the plot of this movie to you, but he's actually quoting from it directly. Yeah. This, this, yeah, the this scene, is verbatim. The scene where Josh Hutcherson figures out that he now is in possession of a time travel device is one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time because it is him sitting at the table at a restaurant waiting for his date to arrive from uh, earlier in the movie. And he's just sitting there and accidentally like touches a ring and like gets warped back in time 57 seconds. And then he's just like, whoa, did I just go back in time? Let me bring out my iPhone. I'm going to time this and then does it again. But here's the thing. Like, not only is it using the most leaden exposition to explain how this device works, where he's just literally talking to you as he figures it out himself, but like cinematically, the scene of him figuring out how to use the time travel device is, as Brian described it, three straight minutes of a man sitting at a table unbroken with nothing else happening. No one talking to him, not going anywhere, not doing anything. Every time he goes back in time, he is sitting in the exact same place at the exact same location. At the like, it's just it is the most 
visually um uh like dull <laughs> ways of uh, uh depicting time travel imaginable they couldn't figure out a way for him to like save a life like maybe somebody's walking into traffic and he's able to you know pop pop back 57 seconds and put no it's him figuring out like hey if i sit at this table uh, and I hit this button, I'll be sitting at this table, but 57 seconds earlier. All the things that demonstrate, like, the power of the 57-second device are the most contrived, idiotic things I have ever seen in oh. any piece of fiction that attempts to show how time travel works. Like, one of the things that demonstrates the power of this device is, like, a guy asks him to predict what he will do in the next 57 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they could not think of anything else. And like in that scene, it's the evil Ally McBeal guy. It's, it's, it's the drug company, the pill pimp, like uh, Sig or Sig Larson or whatever, Stieg Larson or whatever his name is in this movie. And he's trying to catch him out because he knows that he's been very successful at casinos. And he's like, hmm, I should hire this guy. <laughs> he seems to be good at roulette. Um, so he's like, he's like, oh, I got I got I got. I need to know everything about my employees. Like, I need to know this guy's secret. And his way of testing him is, um, yeah, like predict what's going to happen after I whistle, which is like not something that anyone without that exact time travel device could ever fucking accurately fucking answer. I, I it, have it, to it, say, the first real practical <laughs> use of it is okay. He has the love interest at his house, and they're about to fuck. And uh, sh she goes, hey, what are those purses doing over there? So he travels back 15, 57 seconds, and he knocks the purses out of the way. Then there's a picture, and she's like, what's that picture? Do you got a girlfriend? He travels back 57 seconds and throws the picture down. And I was like, oh, maybe he lives with his girlfriend. And no, it was his sister. All he had to do was say, that's my yeah. sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like these are not these are not problems like that he did. But uh, but Brian, like I, I, I there's something about like I do think the concept of a time machine that only works for one minute is actually a very funny and like interesting concept for a time travel movie. It's just like it's just it's it's used to no effect in this movie. Like there yeah, is no nothing. exploration of anything fun or interesting that you can do with that, save for his first actual use of it, which is just getting laid. Which is yeah, like, at, yeah. least, at least relatable in my mind. It's like you say the wrong thing on a date. You're like, bloop, I'll just do a redo on that. And the funny thing about that scene is that, like, it, it, it has this, like, like I don't know, like, late 90s, like, hip-hop DJ music playing. And it's like, give the drum some. And, like, it's got this like, <laughs> hip-hop beat. And then, like, every time she finds something new and embarrassing in his apartment, it's like, record scratch. And then he just goes back and restarts it again. Like, the, the variation in tone in this movie is so funny. Because, like, this is a wacky scene of, like, that would, wouldn't be out of place in, like, an Austin Powers movie of a yeah. guy using a time travel machine to get laid. But then the rest of the movie is about, like, oh, the, the pill company that killed my sister. I need revenge on them. Yeah. I, th that is what's so fascinating about it to me is like the constant, like th there is never been a time travel thing ever made where it's just like you time travel and it's like, okay. Right. Like you can't have that as a narrative device without there being some consequence. Like it, it, it had, whether it's like you age when you do it or you fucking, you know, you affect the past or you rather you affect the future, like something. But with this, there is no consequence to it unless you count. If you do it too much, you'll become egotistical. Yes. <laughs> like you'll get really full of yourself if you keep going back well, 57 seconds. Well, I mean, like this is the one example of the movie actually um, 
uh, showing instead of telling is because like in his efforts to woo this young lady, he keeps going back in time 57 seconds to get better at fucking her. Like there's a scene where she's like, "Ooh, like they're get they're getting hot and heavy," and she's like, "Oh, suck my toes," and he's like, "What?" <laughs> and then he's just like, "Okay, oops, whoop, to re- rewind." Goes back 57 seconds, and before she can even ask, he's like, "Got her toes in his mouth, just going to town." And he can like, <laughs> it, it, it seems very out of place in this movie where it's like all of a sudden they're saying "fuck" and sucking on toes. It's just like, wait a second, I was watching, I thought I was watching something on TNT or something. The sucking yeah. on toes part felt like a, a fucking sex comedy scene. It really yeah. did. It reminded me of a great independent film I saw once, uh, or I didn't see it. I read the script to it uh, called Penis Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, terrific independent film by yeah. a filmmaker we know gotta support we gotta support independent filmmakers outside That's the studio right. system um, if they had made this a comedy it would have been funny like th- there's so much comic yeah. potential in the ring that you can travel a minute back in time with but they needed to talk about they needed to talk about politics here and that was really the most important thing in the movie was always knowing that uh we're doing a political movie here <laughs> Before we get into the uh, uh, further details of how this plot develops, the one thing I want to note of the lovemaking sequence is that, like all the times that he restarts it, like she gets up the next day and it's like the next morning and she's like, "Last night it was like you were in my head, like it, everything was perfect." And I like the idea that, like in the universe of this movie, his lived experience of the time it took her, him to get her off was like four months of him restarting that date over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. a pretty funny idea. Yeah, like, the idea of a guy who has, like, really, like, the power of a god. Like, if you could just keep going back, it's like, right, you know everything, you can correct anything. And assigning that power, you would not even have to change the character. Just use this exact same character. This mumbling idiot who runs a health blog in 2023. That is a hysterical concept. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's really, really funny. And like and even funnier is like after like when he when he figures out some what to do with the ring other than just like get laid, he's like, Oh, I'll go to a casino, which is like, once again, you have the power of God. And you're like, I'm gonna make five thousand dollars the easy way. And it's just like <laughs> this guy's supposed to be a health and technology blogger, but he displays the behavior of like the dumbest guy alive. Like he has no ambitions or thoughts for the the time travel god machine in his pocket, other than I'd like to go play roulette. But the thing is, the movie is not aware of that at all. Yeah, and the he, roulette stuff is to me like that. That like it doesn't seem like he loses at all. So he just kind of goes there and wins over and over again. And then the security guys are like, uh, "This guy's got to be cheating." But like everybody <laughs> in the movie basically is like, "This guy's got to be doing something." I just can't figure it out. Like that is the that is everybody else's role in the movie except for Morgan Freeman's and Darth Maul. It's like <laughs> we got to figure what out what this guy's doing. He must know the future. Let's take him to a casino. Like cuz that's the, that's the thing we spend time in a casino and then when he meets the bad guy, the bad guy's like, "You know what we ought to do? We ought to go to a casino or to my friend's house." <laughs> So like yeah like uh, he gets in, gets in trouble with like the pit boss because yeah like you can't you can't just win with a hundred percent regularity <laughs> yeah. at a casino and not have them come as come down and you're taken to the back room with <clears throat> Ace Rothstein and the fucking circular saw, but like after that like uh, he, he's back with his girlfriend and like uh, she sees like another evidence of this woman 
uh, that haunts his life. And she's just like, wait, if you have a girlfriend, it's fine. Or like, I don't know, or not as fine, but like, you just be real with me or whatever. And he's like, yeah, referring to the, like, the photo of the woman that he has is his phone lock screen. He's like, yeah, that's my dead sister. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I thought, what I thought was even weirder was how in the first scene where he goes back, you know, they do this before with the purses, but like, the idea that he just has like nine of his dead sister's purses in his closet, like he's using them, is so fucking funny. <laughs> like, and a picture of her next to his, a picture of her on his bedside table, like facing his bed. Yes, you know, like the, the the sister stuff. It really did seem like it was a girlfriend or something like that. Like every indication in the movie was that it was a girlfriend. So when he said it was his sister, I thought he was lying. At first, I thought it what we were going to find out he had a girlfriend. And did, keep in mind, from the perspective minutes ago, from the perspective of the love interest character, this is a guy that she met like forty eight hours ago, yeah. and, yeah. and he's gone from having a job where you need to wear like a polo shirt with a name tag on it to living in a luxury condominium and being like, oh, I just got, you know, I I got a little lucky with blackjack, baby. It's nothing. And then like, oh yeah, I'm obsessed with my dead sister, like I'm an Edgar Allan Poe protagonist or something. And then like my favorite part is that when he. When he tells her about um, like his his job, which is being a health blogger, he goes. He tells her the story of his sister. Like you know, they they were going to start a tech company, but she got in a car accident and got addicted to pain medication and it, like <laughs> ruined her life. And she OD'd or whatever. And it's like, he blames the drug companies. And he says on his health blog, he goes, "I'm I, I, I mostly promote alternatives to pain medicine." But under my alias remedy, I really take it to these corporate fucks and pill pimps. <laughs> got to. And, you got hey, to. like two things here. I love the idea about promoting alternative medicine for pain med- for pain. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the one kind of pain. That's the one kind of medicine that there really are no alternative cures for. There's really no. You can't just drink tea. I suppose, you know, don't don't jump down my throat here. But like, I love the idea of alter al- al- homeopathic alternatives to opiates, and two. Just like the idea of like when he says those corporate fucks, there's something about like the oddness of the cursing in this movie and how out of place it is when his character just does it. It really reminds me of like the cadence and delivery of Tim Robinson. And I think you should leave like whenever yeah, he sputters, yeah. so, when he sputters something down, it's like, do any of these fuckers like it's just it's that weird, like very awkward. <laughs> uh, it's like very violent and disruptive every time he drops one do in any of these fuckers ever blast out of the wall and have like a huge cum shot it's very decker yeah yeah it's insane um can i also just point out that for no reason at all his dead sister is a twin i don't know why they did that uh, well that, that's, that's because d- it would be believable that they would be lovers and not and not <laughs> right <from that. laughs> yeah yeah so the first thing he does when he wins at the casino as goes and buys a Chrysler Sebring. <laughs> yes, oh my God. <laughs> Brian, Brian, I was just like, okay, he's a millionaire now and he buys the world's shit, like the dumbest car. The car <laughs> yeah. a 10-year-old would buy if you gave them like Brewster's Millions. Yeah, he buys a car, Chrysler Sebring and they don't even show the whole damn car on the screen. It's kind of in tight while he's, and she's it's like, got you stripes need to on it. Yeah, you need to move that to a parking lot. It was probably just somebody working on the set's convertible because it did not look like a new car or anything like that. But then he immediately buys a house, too, which is like, man, this fucking guy, uh, you'd be in prison 
I would guess, but I guess yeah, I need to go back like, 57 uh, Yeah, what do, you, what do you do if you're, like, able to predict the future and you win $10 million playing roulette at, like, uh, 20 different casinos or whatever? Yeah, you buy a luxury condominium and then you, then you lease a Chrysler for $2,000 a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst-looking car I think I've, it's I've a, seen. It's, in a, uh, it is great. It is fucking a silver car. It looks like Hot Wheels. It looks like a Hot Wheels <laughs> toy. Yeah, it's terrible. I couldn't believe the car. But uh yeah, yeah, the 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 fact that he keeps he he basically goes and buys a bunch of stuff so they can film him, film them like him because they buy a Herman Miller chair and they kind of just sit in it outside of a house in LA. <laughs> like some <laughs> random house in LA. They're sitting on the fucking front lawn in a chair making plans. They never go into the house. Too was expensive something to that shoot I know. Interiors, yeah, yeah. Way too expensive to build sets or shoot in interiors. They just, it's just they like just they're like, okay, we have the lawn in front of this luxury house in LA for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. That's the layer of the pill pimp. The, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Felix, can we talk about um, like as the plot develops in this movie, like like the the second half, the second act of the movie starts when our main character Josh Hutcherson decides to like. Basically, like sheep dip himself into the pill organization to do to run positive PR for them. He basically appoints himself Sean McElwee for the Sackler family in the second <laughs> half of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, this is so fucking idiotic. It's like I could have never gotten in tight with them before, but now that I have my fifty-seven second ability, I'm going to be able to ace the interview, which hinges entirely on predicting fifty-seven seconds in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that's everyone knows that's the interview process at purdue pharmaceuticals in the past it was impossible how did anyone get a job there in the past some people if that's how they did it you know I, I, I you know my biggest weakness well some people say i see too far into the past <laughs> <laughs> sorry see too far into the future it's funny also that like He's really doing this like I'm going to change everything from the inside, but he really just gets a job and works there for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. They're like, they're like, yeah, we're hiring you to write like a, like positive blog posts about our evil company. And he's like, yeah, we're, he's being hired to do popularism for the, the Sackler family. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can do that after after I ace my fit, my whistle challenge, which, yeah. he, does, which he does easily. He nails it. They treat him <laughs> writing like embedded blogs on the company's website like who is going to like the yes. pill company's yeah. website yes. and it's like i, I kind of want to see their side like, of the story that's what i love about this movie is that like it has these it has these pretensions about like oh this is what evil drug companies are like but it just assumes that like the only benefit to a drug company paying someone to do pr for them is if they, they are flack not working directly for the drug company <laughs> that is like, true yeah who's mind was with this change <laughs> he's writing these blogs for the website that no one goes to that are like um you know actually this previous whistleblower was bad uh you know actually these pills are pretty good and just ask yourself the person who writes the bl the blogs on the website for like Merck or like GlaxoSmithKline do you think they are in constant contact with the CEO, the CEO's assistant, the CEO's assassin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're constantly given hookers by the CEO. Like, yes. The CEO is basically like, you are the most important person in the company. The guy who writes the blogs that are read by a dozen people every month. The guy that writes the blog under stories on the Pfizer website. Yes. Is yeah. <laughs> 
he's like, I'm going to pay you $100,000 for every blog <laughs> post you do on the Pfizer website. And I do got to shout out the... Uh, the uh, the actor who plays the bad guy in this movie is the name of the the character is Sig Thornson. He's played by Greg German from Ally McBeal and other TV shows. And I do want to I do want to shout out Greg German here because he's just about the only actual act. He's the only one acting in this movie at all. And honestly, he kind of kills the Sig part. You know, like he's he this, Greg German basically always plays a douchebag, and he's just you know he's doing his thing in this movie. But you know, it works for me as composed to as as compared to Morgan Freeman and Josh Hutcherson. I. I thought it was Gary Cole for a minute. Like, I don't know why I thought that he's guy a was Gary, Gary Cole. Cole. Type. He's very much but a he, Gary Cole yeah, type. They probably wanted Gary Cole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got this guy. And you're right. That's the other funny thing is like they get him the job and then they keep trying to give him prostitutes like over and over again. It's like uh, he goes in. He's like, go into your office and write one of your blog posts. And then he goes in there and a woman comes in and she's like, I'm here for you. But that's the second time because when they were sitting outside, he's like, uh, when they, when they meet the first time for the interview, uh, the bad guy's like, Hey, uh, you want some of these women over here? <laughs> like they keep trying to do a woman, and he keeps turning them down because he's in a monogamous relationship. I love the, I love that too because it's like all the conversations they're having with him are like, "Hey, can you lie about our drug that kills everyone using your credibility as a health blogger?" Yes, absolutely. I will lie for a lot of money uh, for about your drug that killed people. Uh, I would love to do that. It will be fun. And they're like, okay. We need collateral on this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the, 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 like the, the the rest of the movie is set up basically all about how Greg German and his evil assistant and his personal corporate assassin, they're like, okay, we brought this guy into the fold, but we need collateral on him. What's that thing we need? Collateral. One of you guys, what's your job? Getting me collateral. It's like he needs yeah. dirt on all his employees. Uh, to like you know have something to hold over them, and the like most of the rest of the movie is them is their fruitless attempts to try to like gain blackmail leverage over this absolute dope by taking him to like <laughs> secret casinos and then eventually just getting frustrated drugging and raping him with three women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they tried everything, which is like. The job he's doing for just record what the job is. Not yeah. rude. <laughs> but they just give up. They give up and rape the guy. And the scene after this happens is incredible. Well, I also like the evilness of that scene where there's like four women kind of on top of them and they're like really badly pantomiming some kind of sex that I guess was going on. It looked like, you know, it looked like it looked like the uh, dirty video by uh, Christina Aguilera. It like yeah. had that kind of vibe to it. And then the bad guy, Stig, is just sitting there going like, uh, yeah, this is good picture. Really good picture. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they're doing things like falling on him erotically. Yeah. He's like, no, yeah, no, doing... help me, please. <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to my beautiful fiance. They're I've doing... been dating this woman for six days. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many times I had to go back 57 seconds for her, you bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah. did, I wanted him to go back 57 seconds so bad in that scene, but apparently the drugs. Yeah, the drugs. Made it so he couldn't 
go back 57 seconds. So well, they prevented him from using the other drug, time travel. Yeah, yeah uh, time travel. Just like uh, two other things I want to talk about. Uh, after the, 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 the whistling job interview scene where they're like, hmm, you passed the test. And then, like, and then Greg German's just like, yeah, we'll hire him. It's good to keep your enemies close. And I love that scene because it's just like, yeah, if I had an enemy, you could predict the future. I'd want to keep them pretty close as well. <laughs> and also, I, I, just, I love, I love that their first thought was like, I would go gamble if if I could get it. And then their second thought was like, he should go gamble. That would be a really great like. All of their thoughts was they had like four thoughts. Oh wait, no, no, whole I, movie. I, I screwed that up. He actually tells them in the job interview that he can predict the future. Yes, yes, he, and that's then, like, awesome. And, and then he and then he proves that he can predict the future. And Greg German's just like, yeah, there's something about that guy. We're gonna have to keep him close. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to talk about the scene that comes out of nowhere and actually negates the entire movie up until the point it happens. And that's when uh, Greg German and his evil assistant take um, Jock Harkerton and his fiance to a secret casino for the purposes of either getting blackmail information on Josh Hutcherson or getting like girl talk among the assistant and the, the fiance that like, and the, which is such a funny scene because like they, they, they try to get collateral from the girlfriend in the most ham fisted way imaginable because Greg German's just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're girls, have a little girl talk. I know you can, I know you can get his secret out of him. And, and like her covert way of sort of like finagling a response or getting a little dirt on their new employee is just like, so what's his secret? No, but seriously, <laughs> tell me his secret. I know there must be a secret. Tell it to me. I'm watching it. The, your eye on the sky can't see his secret because they have the, the cameras at the yeah. at the guy's home casino. I think it's a home casino. Yeah, it's that, a home casino. It is, sure. it is, once again, the lawn of a very nice house that is dubbing for an outdoors <laughs> secret casino in this movie. <laughs> so they're all hanging out on the lawn with Greg German and his assistant and like the other like the, the other pill pimps. And they're having a good old time being like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, to evil. Here's the here's the never ending sickness. Ha ha ha. And then the guy just walks into the party and is just like, are you Stig Thorinson? And then he's just like, time to die, asshole. And just takes out a gun and just drills like six people. And it's like it's this pretty shocking scene because he just like double taps like three people in a row all sitting next to each other. The CEO, his assistant, the corporate assassin. But he also tags the fiance as well. But like in that scene, he goes back in time and, and like stops the guy before he does it. But I'm like, if he had just not done that, the movie would be over. Like yes. you got like, yeah. you, like someone else got the revenge. But like, hey, like good is good. The guy's dead. Fuck do, him. Do you yeah. think that was like a Hamlet illusion? Where they're like, oh, I can't have Sig Thorison die in a moment of holy contrition at his home casino lawn. <laughs> because then he'll go to heaven. <laughs> yes, he has, yes. To, die. He has yeah. to die in an evil plane. Yeah, well, he has to be humiliated at a basketball game that there's 17 people at. Oh, my God, the scene at the basketball game was so funny. Because, like, yeah. you know, doing crowd shots like that is hard in a movie with a normal budget. But in this movie, it's like very, it's like a, it's Morgan Freeman sitting in what is like looks to be the front row of a basketball game, and the shot is so tightly focused that there's like one extra sitting behind him and no noise. They don't even bother Man. to put like do a foley like recording of ambient crowd noise in the scene where like yeah, it's like a big basketball game where he's gonna like 
he's basically just going to put out all of the evil CEO's sex onto the Jumbotron, and that will ruin him. Well, and and the the basketball scene is funny, too, because it does go out so you can see the crowd, and there are empty seats between people. Like, they didn't even put, like... Because you could film it in such a way that you put like 10 people behind them and go back and then people would see the crowd but no there's just like random little groupings of people at this thing i first i thought it was like a covid thing but i really just think they didn't have enough people to yeah. sit to make it look like a real basketball game between. yeah we don't even know we we also have zero idea if it's a college basketball game if it's an intramural <laughs> basketball game we it's on tv we yeah, it's that. a basketball game at, at Morgan Freeman's Tri Band Arena, and he, yeah, yeah, that's true. It is also his arena too. And, and the blackmail material is like we have pictures. It's very Ray Donovan, actually. It's like we have so many videos of it's very Hunter Biden. It's very well. Hunter Biden meets Ray Donovan because it's like we have a lot of videos of Hunter uh, or of Sig Thornson having gross sex, but equally as much footage of him taking dead women and throwing them in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. apparently something he loves to do. They, they literally have a, a photo on their hard drive that like, he shares with the world of them just like arranging the dead body of a woman in a noose to make it look like a suicide attempt. <laughs> like, really bad <laughs> OPSEC for these corporate uh, wet work guys. I think my favorite They're part the about that... of the dudes in, in Michael Clayton. Yes. They're like the bargain yeah. basement <laughs> version of the guys they hire in Michael Clayton to fucking suicide Tom Wilkinson. I love that in that scene, the 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 pharmaceutical... There's there's the corporate assassin who's doing the setup, and then our guy, the Stig guy, is standing, like, looking around the corner in the room going... <laughs> like, like, the video is of him, like, peeking around the corner. Like, he couldn't even be in the room. <laughs> Well, this guy's doing great. He, he killed her, and now he's doing a really good job setting it up. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man, this guy is such a good assassin. He could have been the company's blogger if he just passed the fifty-seven second test, but he just couldn't do it. <laughs> well, and that is that is a there is another scene that that happens when he's getting the the collateral stuff out of the thing, where it is. 10 minutes or maybe five or six minutes of a lady sitting in a chair. Yeah. And him walking another into brilliant, a room. Another brilliant contrivance of their uh, time travel uh, idea in this movie that involves him walking into the same room over and over again <laughs> and like artlessly trying to like uh, cajole the code to a, uh, a safe out of this woman. You could tell they were feeling their self in that though because there was the, he pulls a pillow out and he shoots her in the leg and he's like, there's more where that's coming from. And like in, in a different movie, this could have been a very funny scene. As like, there's even a moment where he accidentally kills her. Yes, yeah, there is, and, and it could have like, I mean, I've seen Edge of Tomorrow, like, and that movie's good. Cool Edge movie. of Tomorrow is very good. Yeah. yeah, and they're basically kind of doing the same thing, and it doesn't, it doesn't like get boring. But I did just, I did actually recently watch this like long documentary about the. Uh, um, nightmare on elm street movies and when they got to part four they didn't have as much money so they did this scene where they just kept going around in circles and you kept seeing the same thing over and over again and the director of the movie is just like yeah we didn't have enough money to do another scene so we just kept doing the same thing over and over again it's very cheap and that's what i thought about this movie i was like okay so this cost seven million dollars to make which is an astonishing low amount of money yeah to to make a sci-fi movie but then the only real sci-fi thing 
like the only real special effect is Darth Maul's face lighting up, face tattoos lighting up. That's yeah. the only real effect that I saw. The rest of it's just rewinding, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is literally just like you just do a cut in the editing of the movie. That's how you display the effect. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great, man. I'm not like I guess young people didn't grow up with VCR, so they're like, oh, this rewinding's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point, like, uh, he breaks up with his fiance, but, like, they they fall into the pool together, and, like, she goes back in time with him, and then she's like, I, I always knew there was something about you. Uh, you seem... <laughs> always do things are a little, <laughs> no sense. a little too perfect. But then, like, Morgan Freeman, like, comes to his house and tells him that, like, he developed the ring from, like... A... There's a scene in this where Morgan Freeman tells him where the ring comes from, and the ex like the explanation for this is that like he discovered a new type of crystal in the sixties, but because he was black, he didn't patent it because the government would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> the crystal thing is like I don't even know how to explain why that's in the movie. It's they like, did, yeah, like oh, would people not buy the time travel ring unless they did, they knew how it worked? Yeah, yeah it's fuel. God, I love the idea of like yeah. In 1968, he's like, oh, my God, I found the time crystal. And he goes, like, just going to the normal patent office with the time crystal. <laughs> like, waiting yeah. in line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having to write it all down about his time crystal. And instead, he's just like, I'll just put it in a fucking ring and hand it to a guy in 2023. Really. <laughs> yeah. I just have to live to be 180. And then, you know, we're going to get our yield on this time crystal. Uh, actually, I have one line of dialogue from Freeman here. He just, as he's explaining to Hutcherson at the end, he says, the crystals put me on the path to develop the tri-bands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the time travel crystal that breaks the laws of reality as we know it is pretty cool. But, you know, more importantly, it was the basis for the Fitbit. Yeah. Yeah, nice Apple. It's not even an Apple watch, by the way. You couldn't tell time with it. It's just a... <laughs> a a bracelet that has like arrows on it. I yeah. don't even know. I guess it controls your mind. It's like if it, it it's like if an avatar, if unobtainium, all it was doing was powering segways. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, so I guess we, I guess we should try to explain the end of this movie, which is that like okay, like he he drops his big oppo research on uh, Stig Stig Thornson. And, uh, of course, it works, and he's badly humiliated and facing prosecution. But then, like, uh, he's, like, I don't know, just kidnapped. Like, he, like, the Stig just rolls up on him and is, like, get in the car. And he kidnaps yeah. him and says, that, like, you're going to tell everyone it was a deep fake. And, like, he kidnaps him, like, as, and they're, like, on the tarmac of his private jet as, like, you know, uh, like, 15 SUVs of, like, F FBI agents roll up. And he's, like, get on the plane. And, uh... <laughs> They, like, they take off in the private jet, and the police just literally, with their handguns, shoot the private jet out of the yes, sky. Yes, yes. That was such a fucking child moment. It's like in a movie, when you were a kid, you would see a car chase, and you'd be like, shoot the tire out. It's simple <laughs> to do it, you know? Yeah. Hey, if you shoot an airplane, if you shoot, I remember thinking, if you shot the blade of a helicopter while it's flying, it would immediately yes. crash. Yeah. Yes. Like it's that yes. kind of science. If <laughs> yes. you shoot a jet, it fucking crashes. So, like, they managed to take off, but, like, the, the, the police with their, like, you know, uh, uh, with their sidearms have just shot out the jet engines on this plane. <laughs> and now we get back to the very beginning of the movie. We're like, 
Uh, they're on a plane. It's crashing. But then in his panic, uh, this, the evil CEO like grabs his hand, and then he goes back in time with him as well. And then he figures out like what his secret is this whole time. And it, what I thought would have been actually a pretty cool ending to this movie is when they realize that they are both now over 57 seconds have elapsed since this plane took off. So even if they have the ring and can use it, it will do them no good because the plane is just going to crash. You like you like the the time is set. You can't go back any further. You're still on the plane no matter how far back you go every time. And I really thought the end of this movie was him going to be realizing that and just being like kiss my ass asshole, enjoy uh, enjoy hell. And that they just both die in like a United 93 style crash into a field, which happens but then the, the, a jet plane crashes into a field, United 93 style. And I'm like, wow, that was actually a pretty cool ending for this movie. Nope. They all walk out of the plane. Yeah. yeah. In, in there, my notes, I'm like, no what the fuck? Point. The pilot's still alive? And then I'm like, oh, yes. wait, he's still alive? Fuck this movie. There's yeah, yeah. No, there's no point to it. Um, the scene on the plane is when we get my favorite piece of narration. It's like when uh, Josh Hutcherson thinks he's going to die. And he's like, all, the, all this time, I thought the time was power and money and winning $1,000. But I found, <laughs> out, I found out that time is something that you can have and you can spend on people. And now I realize that I can't get time back, but I spent my time as much as I wanted. And then, like, very hard, very hard attempt at being profound. But then, like, they crash through a field and the first guy that gets out of the plane who survived, they all survived is the corporate assassin and Josh Hutcherson's girlfriend greets him like he's an acquaintance. Like, oh, <laughs> are you corporate okay? assassin who kidnapped my boyfriend. Uh, are you okay? Where's Josh Hutcherson? <laughs> she knows this guy. <laughs> I, I, when they, well, first of all, I, my big complaint about the movie from the beginning was how quickly people figure, because we watched three people figure out this, this, this ring. And like, the bad guy touches his hand. He goes back 57 seconds. And then the bad guy's like, wait, did we just go back 57 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> so, You're like, how did he figure this out? Why are they figuring it when they fell in the pool? She says the same thing. Are we going back in time? Like, that would be the last thing. I was wet. Get. Now I'm dry. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I was in a pool. Now I'm dry. I don't know. Uh, and then she breaks up with him. I love that. I love it. That she's like, hey, I found out like you can time travel and stuff, and we're rich and we'll never be poor. And he's like, uh, let's break up. You know, we're gonna have to break up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Much, I don't see much of a future in this relationship. Yeah, <laughs> and I, that's all they have is future and past. Yeah, <laughs> like a lot of time. I love that. I love that where it's like they set it up like it's an obvious thing. It's like. Everyone knows if their girlfriend found out that you were doing 57 <laughs> seconds, you'd immediately the relationship's over. No relationship surviving 57 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Did you use 57 seconds on me? That's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is over. I can't believe you did 57 seconds to me. This whole thing's fake. Um, and he didn't really use it to trick her either, you know? He used it to, like, suck on her toes for her and yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah. Give her money, you know? It would be, like, a kind of interesting moral conundrum if, like, he did have a girlfriend or something. But it's not even, like, the only reason he uses 57 seconds with her is because he he stammers about his dead sister girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't use it. 
I don't feel like he used it on her in any like nefarious way. He, yeah, like I said she, he's like, I found out she likes it when I suck on her toes, so I sucked on her toes before she asked. Everyone's to a do winner, it. like, yeah, yeah. But it, I, I also, I have to say, the way that him and the corporate assassin meet also was a little fun to me. Is like they went out to the parking lot to film. At the casino, which <laughs> most know, of the movie filmed in a parking lot. Yeah, that's that's and he meets the guy, and the guy's like, uh, man, you're like you're fucking great again. But when he catches the guys, he's like, It seems like you're trying to take a little bit for yourself to the to the enforcers at the place, and for some reason they go away because he's a regular. Like he has a loyalty <laughs> card <laughs> that, that provides him that he can he can uh yeah he can remove one person from a parking lot beat down by the the security thugs at the casino if he's a, if he's a rewards club member of this uh of this gambling it's establishment. Just, it's just every relationship in this movie has no chemistry. It makes zero sense because then we get to the end when Morgan Freeman shows back up and we still don't really find out what Darth Maul is. Never. He just says Never. this is no. he just says this is Ingram. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, and like I, I, I've, I've been working with Ingram and then like yeah. and then in, Ingram's like face tattoos just sort of start glowing and it's like beep boop boop and it's like yeah, well, yeah, Ingram yeah. is a robot or something but it's like never said and they're just like well that's Ingram for you. Yeah, yes. like, that, like we like, all know like, Ingram. We all know this character you've probably been wondering about in this film. His name is Ingram. Is he a robot? I don't know. The concept of cause and effect in relationships is so insane in this movie because Brian, the scene where they he, he gets to the shit beat out of him at the parking lot is great because that is pretty much the reason he gets to work for Sig <laughs> is because like his corporate assassin saw this guy getting the shit beaten out of him and was like, hey, um, I saw you getting beaten up. Would you like to write blogs for our company? <laughs> and he was. <laughs> you seem like you have him. what it takes. You know, all I know at this point is you're getting beaten up for like counting cards, and you didn't even get any money out of it. You should write blogs for a million dollars a year for us. Yeah, he was following them because he saved the other guy's life that has nothing to do with him. He's like, I'm gonna. Fo- this guy saved somebody's life. I'm gonna kind of follow him around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the death industry, we hate people who save lives. We yeah. like people who take them. <laughs> okay, now you've made it make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I actually do death stuff. And, yeah. uh, the, having guys save lives is terrible. But yeah, that's why he's following them. Like, like there's no real connective. Like, nobody would understand why any of these people ended up in the situation together. And I'm still the assassin guy that comes to kill. I, I, was it the same guy? That came to kill like the Morgan Freeman character. They're in and? the audience in the beginning of the movie, like the assistant okay. and the corporate assassin. They're in the audience, like giving the side eye to Morgan Freeman in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. because he's he's inventing uh, brand health. Uh, he's improving what? health, wearable medicine. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> wearable medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's invented wearable medicine. It's great. But yeah, I think there was like a there was like several different concepts for this that might have been funny or good or interesting and they didn't hit any they whiffed on all of them perfect misses um <laughs> so like okay after the plane crash that didn't hurt anyone and you know we go through the assi- the corporate assassin the assistant etc sig thornson he like 
does he get arrested then? I forget. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, but presumably because, he's arrested. Like, the thing that like I am fixated on that like erased everything else for me is in the scene in the plane crash of the field where Ingram, the blue assistant, is there. <laughs> is Morgan Freeman is like, you didn't steal my ring. You passed the ring test. Yes, you are yes, the per- you yes. are the perfect candidate to do fifty seven seconds. No yes. one has ever no one has ever been more perfect to do fifty seven seconds. You are the most morally upright time traveler ever, and I want you to be my number two. And I want you to do fifty seven seconds for a living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would hire you to do fifty seven seconds. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think another baffling thing about the plane crash is. The plane is on fire, and the guy that's flying the plane is like, this plane's going to crash. And then the bad guy's like, I don't care. Keep flying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They just have to make him, like, comprehensively bad in every situation, like, by beyond the point of it making sense. Keep flying. I'd rather stand trial at my private island. But it's like you're not getting anywhere. The plane's (laughs) crashing. Every indication on this plane is that it's crashing. (laughs) Yeah, so Morgan Freeman is like, yeah, I want you to be my professional 57-second guy, and you'll inherit all my my crystals and Ingram when I die. Yeah, you'll get Ingram and the crystals in this deal. Yeah, and Josh Hutchinson is like, no, I've realized that this – 57 seconds is just as bad as the pills that killed my sister. She thought she was addicted to pills and I was addicted to the money and the power of 57 seconds. I really, these are the same thing. I overdosed on 57 seconds. I'm getting rid of this. And then Morgan Freeman is goes, that proves you're even more perfect. <laughs> yes, you passed, you, passed the second test. you passed the second test. You passed the second because... 57 test. And then, he go, then Josh Hutchinson's like, why don't you get your blue guy to be your number two to take over from you when you die? He can shortly do 57 seconds. And Morgan Freeman goes, Ingram? Ingram is simply an observer. Yes. And that's yes. all. That's the only thing well, we ever know about Ingram, that well, this blue fucking robot is a technical advisor. He works for McKinsey. I think, I think we've, all, we've all done stuff that we didn't, like, finish. Or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you start a project and you don't finish it, but in your mind, it's finished and you know exactly where this project was going to go. And I am fucking positive that Ingram was going to be the sequel or the prequel to this movie. <laughs> they were saying like, well, you know, people are really going to want to know what's going on with Ingram. And that's true, but it's just because they didn't explain it at all. Like there was no way to know what Ingram was. Well, Brian, you say that, but I've already started work on my on my spec script, the seconds project: colon Ingram Genesis. <laughs> yeah, the Betty Saints of Ingram. We we're making, you know, the questions that everyone who saw this movie wants to know: How did Ingram get blue? <laughs> who you the know? fuck is Ingram? That's the question everyone who saw this movie wants to know: Is who the fuck is Ingram? And what what is they what, who like what is Morgan Freeman doing with this robot? What is going on? Why is the most you know, why is the most interesting part of the detail of this plot like completely ignored? Yeah. Imagine if Steve Jobs. In the last ten years of his life, there was a blue guy, a lighting, a glow in the dark blue man in a robe around him at all times. And anytime, any, no one asked him about it except for once. And Steve Jobs was like, 
oh, he's just an observer. <laughs> yeah, he just, he oh, just watches I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm not seeking traditional treatment for my pancreatic cancer. I've got Ingram. Ingram? <laughs> yeah, Ingram. The blue guy? Hello? I would love to see Ingram like in the lab working on getting 63 seconds or something like that. <laughs> really fucking trying to soup everything up a little bit. Maybe get two minutes. Just, yeah, so Josh Hutchison destroys the ring by throwing it at the ground really hard. I think. <laughs> he steps on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Stops on the, the crystals room. are not, they're not like strong. Right? Like the crystals are easy to break. Which yeah. is why he wanted to find a very delicate man like Josh Hutcherson, who, by the way, Google him from this movie because nobody has ever looked as bad as him. Like, he yeah, looked, it's I live an unhealthy life. Yeah, but I feel like I'm the picture of health compared to Josh Hutcherson. He looks horrible. Yeah, it's he's a very like clammy appearance. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't look. That's why I think. You have that really hard time with the with the love story in this movie is like so this lady like fell in love with him immediately in one fucking second. And like he he looks my age, by the way, too. He's 31 years old. He looks like he's oh, 40. God. He, he would have to, he's younger yeah. than me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's crazy. He looks like he's almost 50. It's crazy crazy what he looks like but fucking, uh, after the hunger games movie was went away fucking it's been hard hard times for josh hutcherson <laughs> i think it has i'm looking at his next few i mean five nights at freddy's he's gonna be out. in the five nights at freddy's movie yeah which i'm very excited about i don't know anything about it but i'm gonna watch it anyway <laughs> there has been more lore written about five nights at freddy's than like the dead sea scrolls and that's the it's thing really and, they're crazy. and they're wasting their time because we really need more 57 seconds lore yes like, <laughs> yes i need i i wish i could go on youtube right now and type in 57 seconds and get like multiple four-hour videos that are like you know yeah what is ingram's true purpose ingram's secret um you know uh Felix, Sig's, Felix, Sig's master plan felix we should we need to release this episode on youtube but like with the with the art of us like shrugging and looking like doing the vote face like whoo like what <laughs> yeah, and then we, we're, yeah, yeah. we're gonna release that release this on youtube with plot of 57 seconds explained <laughs> yeah. yeah we need we need as many people as possible to see this movie please pay for it you don't even have to watch it we just need it <laughs> just buy it yeah <laughs> don't watch yeah. it <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah we you need don't to, have to yeah we, just, we want another one we need to come together and trick the studio who made the 87 studios that made this. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to, have to re rehearse our routine about 50 different times so we'll get yeah but by the time we get to avenue productions we'll have it nailed <laughs> yeah we get all the little car mines and finances we have to gaslight them into thinking this is an enormous hit. We all have to pitch in. So we get, yeah. I what would they call the sequel 58 seconds or would they, <laughs> would they do something? Would they, do you think they would do something weird where it's like not a 57 seconds, not a moment to spare? Yeah. Or 57, 57 seconds, seconds like, almost a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like something like, and then the, the log line could be, it's time for Ingram. You know, like yeah. we, we're living in the Ingram era now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, don't even it, need Josh Hutcherson anymore. We don't need him. We take Ingram. Josh would, Hutcherson doesn't want the ring anyway. 
I would love an Ingram-centered production. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Ingram- even a cartoon like the Animatrix or something like that. Oh, yes. It's really absolutely. Yes. <laughs> We're not trying to get anything that we don't deserve. We deserve to know what was going on with that guy. Yeah. Ingram is the type of character where when he's not on scene, the viewer is asking, where's Ingram? What's he up to? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I really, for the first 10 minutes of the movie, was... 100% fucking sure that he, they were the bad guys and Ingram yeah. was like an evil uh, uh, a time like demon guru. Yeah, yeah. He's blue. Yeah. He <laughs> lights up. It's not even that he's blue. The fucking thing lights up. Like he, lights come out of his face. We don't know if he's a robot or an alien or just a guy that's figured out how to get lights to come out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <coughs> I guess we should. Uh, I guess we should leave it there before this episode gets longer than the actual fucking movie. <laughs> 50, yeah, we've gone over fifty-seven minutes here. Yeah, I think fifty-seven minutes would be a good sequel. That's what I thought it was at first, yeah. and then when I found out it was, I thought you said fifty-seven minutes. So yesterday, before I started watching it, I told my wife, "I'm gonna watch this movie about this guy who can travel fifty-seven minutes in the past." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, no, it's actually fifty-seven seconds." <laughs> 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 it makes less because what I thought, what I thought when you when you asked me to watch this, right, was that it would be called 57 minutes and a guy would go back in time and he would have 57 minutes to fix whatever the problem is. And that would be the runtime of the rest of the movie. Like it would real time a 57 minute sprint to fixing stuff. But that is actually not what it was at all. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, 57 seconds. Uh, check it out. Yeah, but Actually, don't check it out. Just buy it because we need more seconds. We, we need to yeah. expand the seconds universe. There's John Frankenheimer's seconds, and now there's Rusty Cundiff's 57 seconds. Yeah. Maybe we get a better director uh, in actually, there. Like the Michael director Bay. of this movie directed Tales from the Hood and Fear of a Black Hat, which are two movies that I think are those quite are good. good movies. Yeah, those are Never good mind. movies. Never mind. Yeah, we want him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we need Rusty should... on this. He deserves to be successful. What the fuck? How did he, like, did they, like, do the thing from the movie to him? <laughs> no, Ru- Rusty at some point in his career got the 57-second ring, fucked it up, and now he's been, like, Ingram <laughs> is forcing him to direct these yeah. movies now. Yeah. Yeah. That is the only explanation. That is, that is truly awful. I cannot believe such a good director is under Ingram's awful spell. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we don't know, actually, if Ingram's a bad guy or has an awful spell or anything. And but also, yeah, like, I'll agree with you. you There's a you, culture of silence in Hollywood about Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, that does it for today's episode. Till next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Here's Brian. <laughs>